You know, I think the big thing is that it's obvious that the cellular industry is squarely in a significant economic slowdown and readjustment. I, I, for me, that's that's probably the biggest news, and this isn't the first time we've talked about it, but uh, it is definitely happening. Um, you know, Crown Castle has officially announced layoffs of, they say, 15% of their staff across the board. Um, I have heard from some insiders that cer- certain geographic offices, it's as much as 40%. Um, so, you know, that's, that's indicative of, I've always said the tower companies are a really good indicator of how the industry is doing because the carriers have all of their cell sites on the tower company's assets. And when the tower companies are doing well, that's because the carriers are spending money. And when they're not doing well, it's because the carriers aren't spending money. Welcome to the 5G Guys Podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host, Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith. Welcome back for another episode of the 5G Guys. I'm Wayne Smith and joined by my co-host, Dan McVall. Hey, Wayne. Hey, everyone. Uh, Well, here we are wrapping up our third season of 5G Guys. Can you believe it, Wayne? No, it's flown by. It really has. It's pretty amazing. Do you know um, our 50th episode came and went and we didn't even acknowledge it? This is episode 51. Wow, 51. Yeah, when I was prepping for this podcast, I kind of went through them all. And it's pretty amazing and humbling all the things you can learn and what you know and what you don't know when you do something like this. Yeah, we've had um, some amazing topics and some guests. Um, So before Wayne and I go our separate ways with our various travel for the remainder of the summer, I'll tell you our calendars are like two ships passing in the night, it seems like with travel uh, every summer and the, the summer seems to be true again, huh? Oh my word. Yeah. It's been, it's one, I mean, it's, it's great. It's achieving some, you know, lifelong goals for me in the travel. Um, one, I, I got my sixth continent uh, this year with my daughters via before they get out of homeschool. So we really, we really enjoyed that, but tra- traveling's tiring. It's a lot of work. I need a vacation from the vacation in order to like function like a human. Yeah. Staycation. Mm -hmm. Give that a shot. Well, so anyway, so before uh, we break for the rest of the summer, we'll wrap up season three. It's been our longest season to date. And we thought we'd wrap it up first by uh, doing maybe a back and forth, almost like a fantasy football draft of our favorite episodes from the season. And then maybe we'll, we'll wrap it up with some news and notes on uh, where the industry stands right now, um, almost smack dab in the middle of the year, a little beyond that, and and uh, we'll uh, wrap it up from there. So let's let's uh, I will give you the honors, my friend, of uh, tell me your favorite episode from the season and why. Wow, that's a tough one. I've been really enjoyed this season. Not not that I didn't do the other ones. Just some of these guests were pretty amazing. Uh, as it far as it comes to our industry and what's going on and exciting things to happen. I did have the future of six, 6G as my favorite and for a lot of different ways. Uh, I, I love to read when, when folks are out there creating new technology. Mm-hmm. 
And where does that new technology lead us down the path? And I do, I do think um, with Doug and what he brought to the table, I think it, if, if the carriers into the future can come together with their spectrum, we'll have a way a different set of products that make the industry better from antennas Mm -hmm. to just, you know, to mobile, to IOT. And I love what they're trying to accomplish. So, you know, without going too far, that's episode 43. Yep. And uh, you could go back and listen to it, but that's mine. That's where I'd start. Now they were all good. So it's really hard to pick. <laughs> yeah. Why don't, why don't you tell me which of your children is your favorite, right? Ah, yeah. No doubt. <laughs> Depends on the day, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. All right. So that means for me, that one's off the table. I'm going to have to, uh, it's tough. I'm down to like three that I really, it's really tough to choose out of these three, but I'm going to go with Art Pregler from AT&T and the robot dogs and the drones. And, oh man, that was so, I mean, that just scratches my geek itch so bad. You know, I just love that episode. That was, uh, what episode was that? That was episode 45. Um, the fact that there's all this stuff going on that probably most of us, when we think of the carriers like AT&T, don't realize that they're doing behind the scenes and the, the way that they're facilitating Defense Department and Homeland Security um, to do some really amazing things around, you know, checking for chemical weapons and 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 uh, keeping people safe at large venues with these autonomous systems and, and using their network and to facilitate that and also using those vehicles to facilitate their network, right? Putting cell sites in the air on a blimp, you know, uh, just amazing. It was a really cool episode. So I, I think that's got to be my favorite for the, the, the season. Yeah, I jump right in with you. I love that one too. I mean, seeing, you know, having Art explain the technology and what they're using it for and for, uh, you know, emergency response, first responders also, after a disaster, you know, you can zip up, do the drone related cell, everybody's back online. And so it, it's pretty, really amazing. And, you know, I don't know if all of that's really new technology. It's just the emergence of technology has been invented for a while, but mm -hmm. used in the practical wireless application. So I'm with you, brother. That was a, a, a really good episode. And I went back and looked at some of the information he gave me numerous times and shared it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. You're up, man. What's next? Oh, the, the next one you're going to agree. Uh, I love, I thought it was fascinating. Well, Qualcomm episode 46, 5G to 6G and the, and just the amazing strides that Qualcomm uh, has made in their technology, in the chip, in the phone. I mean, hearing him describe and it's uh i don't want to slaughter his name so i'm gonna let you say it ignacio Contreras. there you go Contreras. uh ignacio uh i think it's pretty amazing uh what the chip continues to do and how many functions it actually does and you know um, learning from him that the real mobile edge computing and how chat applications like ai and chat gpt uses the phone itself mm -hmm. to, proce to process information versus going back to a data center. So it's pretty amazing how far it's come and the results are being shown all over the world. Mm -hmm. So that was a great one for me. Yeah. And I think him just reminding us of 
Qualcomm's history as a company was also a good kind of reminder because they used to do a lot of different stuff. They were building cell site electronics. They were building their own phone lines, uh, phones for mobile, mobile phones. Um, so just that reminder that at, at a point in time, they decided to focus and get ultra focused on just the chip. And as soon as they did that and divested of those other initiatives, that's when the Snapdragon and all those chips that they've developed that are so amazing just really took off and went leaps and bounds ahead of pretty much everyone with the exception of Samsung. You know, and he even admitted like, and he, he even calls them, what do you call them? Uh, frenemies, I think he called them. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Well, yeah, that was, all right. Oh, so you stole my second one. So, all right. So they're off the draft board. I'm going to take, I would, I got to go with Peter Schroeder from Telzio. Um, uh, I don't remember what episode that was. It was episode 48. It was just looking it up here. He, first of all, he's just a cool dude, man. He used to be a DJ. Yeah. Like his story is so cool. Um, and for me, I think the reason it was up there and as one of my favorites was, it was a reminder that there's still a lot of really cool, small innovators out there that are just pushing the envelope um, and, and doing things that people need to do to disrupt technology, disrupt industry. And, and his story just reminds us of that, um, you know, listening to how he's using AI for customer care and comparing it to the big dogs like Apple and how, how horrible Apple's automated customer care is compared to like what they're doing was amazing. Um, and then I think the other thing was also just realizing that as much as I love being an American, living in America, doing business in America, how difficult it is to do business here with our laws and our regulations. And he really explained that, you know, when he started his company and doing what he did in Europe, how much easier it was until he started trying to do it here in the U.S. So I think for so many reasons, that's that's a big, big favorite of mine. So I got to go with uh, with Peter Schroeder and tells you next. Yeah, it was a great episode. I mean, to your point, you know, it seems like we strive for innovation. And as we strive, we create roadblocks to it. And, you know, it just reminds us how much power that a monopoly really has in capitalism. You know, they, they, they do it through a lot of series of small moves. And before you know it, 20 years went by and there's, it's really difficult, but yeah, his story is pretty amazing. I agree with you finding ways to compete in a very competitive, you know, environment. So yeah, hats off to you. Yeah. What's up next for you? Man, these are tough, but I, I think I've always been fascinated of episode 44, FirstNet, Jeff Brather, you know, what those guys are doing at FirstNet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing that we need those emergency services and first responders so much in our lives. You know, mm-hmm. so many things happen and it's taken this long to build a network that was dedicated for the whole first responder community like it did. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was really fascinating. I've always, I'm, I'm glad to hear that story and it's coming to fruition and they're doing really well with that. It was a really smart uh, play and AT&T really delivered on that product offering. Well, and it's a great example of public private partnerships in, in success of how the two can work together in a win-win situation. So I would agree. Um, all right, well, let's see my last one. I'm going to cheat a little bit. 
because my my last one is really that the three episodes we did on the life cycle of a cell site um where we went through three episodes in a row from the the beginning of how a, a cell site becomes a concept and is designed through building it and then ultimately uh, maintaining the network i think that was that struck a chord for me because a it was um kind of sentimental right thinking back over the years and how things have been done the same and how things have also changed. Uh, I think that was really interesting for me just to reflect on. I think those were episodes 40, 41, and 42. And uh, that I think was just sentimentally my favorite of all of them. And uh, so I got to put that one up there or those three up there. Yeah, I would agree. It's always, you know, always enjoy sharing our collective wisdom. I mean, we built a lot of sites and we've had great careers in it and it's, it is special. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it was, it's difficult in a lot of cases and there's a lot of good folks out there who really grinding at it every day to bring more coverage, you know, better connectivity for everyone out there. So yeah, it's always good sharing your own wisdom. You know, you kind of think about it and you're like, wow, does it, did it really make a big difference? But it really did, hmm. you know, it's, and uh, I think there's always going to be ways to improve and hopefully through this technology. But I, I agree with you. I don't know that I would ha- I add another one to the list. I think all of them are great this uh, this season. Yeah. I think we're getting a little bit better at asking better questions and getting good guests. So, you know, it's been, it's been really rewarding to, push all these together and then get the different perspectives on how things are done by different folks. Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's been fulfilling as well. About half of these episodes, we talked about these guests that we're referring to reached out to us, which was, you know, very humbling and, and cool to, to know that, you know, they thought that this was a way that they could get their message out. So that was also a, uh, I think fulfilling that was a big highlight for the whole season for me was just that our reach has gotten to the point that we got people reaching out to us to be guests and um, makes it a little easier Then you're, I'm not always having to hunt them down and you're not always having to hunt them down. So that was cool. Well, thanks for a, a great season, uh, my man. It was, uh, it was really fulfilling and definitely my, my favorite of the three seasons to date. I think they just keep getting better. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It's humbling. It's also, it's a good way to learn. Uh, it's just been, it's been an amazing season. Well, let's move on from there and talk about where we are in the year before we end up. You know, it's always good just to have a chat on things that have happened mm-hmm. in this year. It's been a different year for sure, but jump right in. You got quite a few notes here, you know? Well, as do you, I think, uh, I think that point, points out that the last couple months have really been busy, man. Not necessarily in a good way, yeah. uh, but just there's been a lot of activity, a lot of announcements, a lot of decisions that have really come down this summer that I think are really telling us, A, how the year has been and, and how the year is probably going to go. Um, you know, I think the big thing is that it's obvious that the cellular industry is squarely in a significant economic slowdown and readjustment. I, I, for me, that's, that's probably the biggest news and this isn't the first time we've talked about it, but uh, it is definitely happening. Um, you know, crown castle has officially announced layoffs of, they say 15% of their staff across the board. Um, I've heard 
from some insiders that cer certain geographic offices, it's as much as 40%. Wow. Um, so, you know, that's, that's indicative of, I've always said the tower companies are a really good indicator of how the industry is doing because the carriers have all of their cell sites on the tower company's assets. And when the tower companies are doing well, that's because the carriers are spending money. And when they're not doing well, it's because the carriers aren't spending money. So I think that's the real canary in the coal, man, coal mine for me as it relates to cellular. Uh, AT&T is, you know, their CEO has basically told everyone they got to get back to the office. And, uh, you know, the insider on that is that he's kind of forcing people's hands to see who's going to stick around and who's going to voluntarily leave uh, instead of having to let him go himself. Uh, I, I did read that they had announced a 20,000 person layoff sometime. I don't know if it started already, but mm -hmm. they were looking at reducing staff by 20,000, which kind of big number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, what kind of wraps that all up for me is just the contractors on the street that I know, the people that are building and designing these networks are all, you know, I'm talking to a lot of them and they're all slow. They're all looking for stuff to get busy on. And that's unheard of this time of year. Usually this time of year, I mean, the last half of the year is the busiest and we're going into the last half of the year, people looking for work. So um, I wouldn't call it recession in the industry. Mm -hmm. It's not mm -hmm. that strong, right? We've seen way worse but it's definitely yeah. uh, a significant slowdown. Yeah. I think some things to add to it is, you know, the cost of capital is more expensive. We talked about inflation. You can't, you know, the, these big carriers, definitely AT&T and Verizon have big debt loads and big debt loads have to be serviced and inflation. You know, when you talk about capital spends of 15, $20 billion, if it is 15%, that reduces, you have less money to build as much. And so I think, I think for some, uh, what's happening right now, and it's unfortunate for the vendor ecosystem, but how the carriers will deploy capital is the question. How do you manage your budget? In the past, you know, we've always run out of budget, find some more seed money, start to roll things forward. I think you're going to see moving forward is a more strategic use of the capital mm -hmm. for strategic goals. Uh, my understanding is that we're about 50% through C-band deployment. So we still have a lot of C-band to be deployed. Mm -hmm. And so I do think, you know, 2024, there'll be work. And if reading any of the trade mags, you know, online or whatever, uh, I think we were a little punch drunk for the monies in 2022 for C-band. I mean, mm -hmm. literally, you know, budgets of 20 billion, 19, 18 billion. That's going to drop realistically for the top two, probably down to 13 to 15, which is not a bad, you know, it's, it's not bad. So to yeah. your point, it's not really recessionary. It's we're not going to be punch drunk on 5G. We're going to deploy our assets wisely. We're going to make our micro internal employees manage the budget they predicted. Mm -hmm. And so I think all of those things come. And it's a little shaky. You know, we all were hoping. And hey, as an industry person who'd been here for 20 years, it's been a heck of a great ride all the way up. Mm -hmm. To expect it to not to recreate uh, would be just unrealistic expectations of where we are in the world. You know, I think innovation, we're starting to see some great things come out of 5G. Mm -hmm. We're starting to hear a lot of rumblings about private network. 
you know, with year over year growth of in the 30 to 40 percentile. So for those vendors, it'll always be opportunities to build, maybe not for the carriers as much, but for other enterprises are trying to own and reduce OPEX costs in the long run. Yeah. So I definitely think some things that I've seen, yeah, I'm trying to look at it that way um, versus uh, anything different. You I, know, I think you're right. I, you know, two specific examples of where I've heard there's sort of this very focused discretionary spending versus like you said, the, the punch drunk of like just throwing money at the whole, at the wall for everything. Um, on private networks, for example, it was literally just announced today that Excel Energy just awarded contract to Nokia to build private networks in the 900 megahertz band throughout their entire eight state region. Right. So that's not cellular. That's not the carriers. It's private. It's big. And we're going to see more and more of those. So I think that's just a, a tangible example of that. So I agree with that. And then within the carrier space, like I heard a story to, uh, last week about, you know, one of the carriers, I won't say which one it was, it'll be unnamed, but, uh, you know, they had been slowing down their build, but on the back end, they've got a number of cell sites on a certain school district's school properties. And since the pandemic, that school had put a moratorium on 5G on any of their properties, right? It was that conspiracy theory of 5G not being healthy and we've done episodes on it. Well, now the um, times have changed. People are realizing that, you know, it, it's just the same cellular it's always been. It just is called something different. That that uh, school district came back to the carrier and said, okay, we, we want 5G on all our schools now. So the carrier's being opportunistic and they got to go upgrade all those cell sites on, I think it's like 20 schools that they have cell sites deployed on in the school district. So they're going to, they're going to allocate the capital to those special projects that are high priority and focused. Yeah. And to your point, the whole 5g, uh, I was subject to a canceled flight this June. <laughs> I woke up and read the, uh, read the, yeah, I think United canceled 2000 flights in a day, a lot of amount of DIA. And then I read, Steve Buttigieg says it's 5G. I don't know if it's 5G, bro. They can use it. They're going to use that excuse as long as it lasts. But in the end, I think flying's never been as safe as it's ever been, mm -hmm. right? And the carriers did a, a good staggered approach to deploy the assets, do the research, and get that out there. So, you know, to your point, you know, 5G had a lot of hype. Uh, still does. I think it does bring amazing things, you know, to the table with the spectrum and how it's used. Uh, but, you know, things are looking, still looking pretty good. Yeah. July 1st was the drop, the, the magic date at which the carriers are allowed to go full bore around the airports and they did. And yeah, there were a lot of flights canceled, but all major airline carriers explicitly said it had nothing to do with 5G. It was other stuff. They had computer outages. They had yeah, worker shortages, shortage. yeah. you know, just plain weather delays, which had nothing to do with, with the ground radar systems that people were worried about being interfered with. So I think we can officially say we're in the clear on that. Um, and, uh, the carriers don't have to deal with that, that issue anymore. The, the airlines still have to finish updating their, their, their planes though. They're behind schedule on that a little bit, but put that in the back seat. I think one thing that I've noticed too, you know, is that midway of the summer, this pretty, exciting is that we I took some travel away really remote and guess who saved the day Starlink 
Oh yeah. And those remote Northern hemisphere type locations, you can get to internet and remotely, you know, access and decently check your work, do your things and stay connected. So hats off to Starlink. I, I'm loving it for all those rural locations and, you know, um, it keeps connecting uh, to your loved ones. You know, it works well. Nice. No complaints there. I have not personally had the opportunity to use the Starlink service. So what, what did it feel like? Did it, it seem any different than what you're used to? Uh, well, you know, it's not going to be the one gigabit here at the home. But uh, being able to connect, uh, check my email, respond when necessarily, being, I think we were three or four hours remote in the wilderness of Alaska and still had Starlink, you know, you still, you feel like you're just a call away. Um, I did notice that um, it it, it bogged down a little bit when all the guides that were there all tried to jump on and do Wi-Fi calling. And so, you know, it still needs to be managed, but overall, I think there were probably 10, 20 people on that connection up there and it all worked well. Cool. Yeah. And you were, uh, this was like a hunting lodge or something like that. Yeah. Like fishing lodge up in Alaska. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, let's see. I, you know, last, last episode, I talked a little bit about it, but it's official that the, the broadband stimulus money that's been allocated for, you know, connecting, uh, Americans and the digital divide being, being, uh, closed, uh, is getting released by the federal government. We're talking 42, $43 billion that's getting awarded to the States. And so, you know, I won't uh, repeat what we've already talked about, but I still think that's, that's big news and it's something to keep an eye on as we roll into next year. And it's, it's just more of what we talked about, about how there's so much activity going on outside of the cellular big three carrier space. And that's going to yeah. be another example of that. So you got the private networks, you've got the, the broadband network deployments. Um, and then you've got, you know, new players coming in. It's official now. Amazon's going to be a reseller of, of Dish's new network and partner with Dish to be a, a sales channel for, for consumers to buy Amazon cellular service. So um, that's, uh, you know, the big boys sticking their nose in, similar to the way that uh, Comcast did in Xfinity with uh, Verizon, right? Well, Amazon's got a lot of Prime members. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And so I, th- I think that'll that'll lure people away. I haven't tested really Dish's network, nor have I talked to anybody who's on it. Do you know anybody who's using it? Uh, yeah, I do know some folks because they're people that work at Dish. And so okay. a lot of them are on it. And, you know, for the most part, though, it's been uh, their resale of T-Mobile and AT&T service. So they've just been using T-Mobile and AT&T's network. And then as the markets come up, now the phone's will actually go on to Dish's own network. And I haven't had the opportunity to ask any of those folks, uh, you know, how that's working. And, and would, you know, I, I can imagine that it, it would probably work quite well because it's very, very lightly loaded, right? Not a whole lot of customers mm-hmm. on it. So it should, you know, it's going to have to work through some, you know, it's they've got the most advanced technology out there in terms of open network and network in the cloud. And so there's going to be some glitches for sure that have to work themselves out. That's always the case with brand new tech. So I expect well, it to be a mixed, mixed reviews. Yeah. We need to, uh, for our next season, we need to find somebody from dish and get them on here and have them talk about their architecture and what makes them different. It'd be, it'd be a great podcast, uh, starting the next season. Let's see if we can do that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of, speaking of which we've talked a lot this season about Comcast and the cable guys and what they're doing as it relates to, you know, their, their customers and, and, uh, what are your thoughts on, on where those guys stand? Well, probably not a great week for me and Comcast. <laughs> oh, yeah? I have struggled to work with them and their customer services. I've been a customer for 17 years. And man, if I, I wish that these larger companies, not, not just the telecom, cable, but, you know, appreciate their customers and, and try to do better at customer support. You know, we're all working from home. We all run podcasts from home. We're doing everything. We really need our home connection to work and we need them to address the issues. I've struggled in the last few weeks with those guys. And, uh, you know, um, if they treat their their lifelong customers this way, uh, you know, they need to really clean that up. So not a lot of positive things from old Wayne on, on this week, but I had internet <laughs> issues today, so... I'm complaining. <laughs> squeaky wheel. Wayne yeah. squeaky wheel Smith. No, but your, your point is that uh, is true that customer care is, uh, is an important part of it. You know, uh, one of the big three T-Mobile has continued year in year out to win that award for the best customer care. They might not always have the best network compared to some of the other guys. Um, I think we know that, you know, customer, customer care is, uh, is not always the first variable looked at. People look at, you know, who's got the best network and it's always Verizon winning, right? And if it's not Verizon, it's AT&T. T-Mobile's almost third most years. But that doesn't mean that they're bad. They're just not quite as good as AT&T and Verizon, but where they do excel is taking care of their customers better. And it pays off. And I think that's part of the reason they're disruptive. And and they uh, they this year became the highest capital-valued telecom company in the world, number one. And their net net ads in the second quarter were off the charts. You bet. Those paid ads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So well, man, I think uh I think that should put a wrap on on season three and the episode. It uh it's been a, again, it's been a great a great season. Uh looking forward to some some time off here, some travels coming up for me and and uh already working on guests and topics for next season. So take some time to get all that put together and look for another great season, season four to come out here in a couple months, you know, late summer, early, uh, early fall. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, likewise, I thought it was a interesting year. I've really enjoyed the podcast. We kind of got into the groove. Um, I'd like to thank all of our listeners out there, you know, without you, um, we wouldn't be here trying to find good content for you. And, uh, we're always open for any kind of feedback. Mm-hmm. Maybe not SEO on the website and those kind of things, but <laughs> any constructive feedback we love. And, uh, you know, Dan and I, I think it's what makes us better. And, um, and thank you guys. Thanks for listening to the 5G Guys. For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5Gguys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family.